You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. This, unfortunately, is the project podcast I hoped I never had to record. At least, not so soon. Unfortunately, our favourite book author, Sir Terence David John Pratchett, OBE, died on the 12th of March in his bed. Surrounded by his family and his cat, Ryan lying right next to him. Um, I think you, probably like me, really did get a kick in the guts and you kind of hoped, well, he'd spring back. But the illness that uh, had taken him, uh, which meant he couldn't uh, attend one of the Discord conventions this year, uh, seems to take a bit of a worse attend than anybody probably expected. So what we have here uh, is basically the tribute episode. Episode 34 is being delayed until next month and uh, uh, basically this is one tribute episode to uh, basically my favourite book author of all time. Um, this will be uh, Structured as in um, mostly remembrance from people, um, people that I either know or people you know, and interspersed with audio clips um, from. Uh, first of all, I have uh, Neil Gaiman, and uh, also brilliant Stephen Briggs, and a couple of other people. So, at this point is also, um, I'd like to give big thanks to uh, Jason Anthony, who's the guy who puts together the Discord monthly newsletter, uh, not only for his help in getting lots of the uh, clips in uh, together, uh, mostly from interviews on the BBC, but because uh, he is the guy that's speaking on the, on the clips and has put a lot of work in to help me out, uh, to get this tribute show together, so I'd like to thank Jason for um, basically his help. So we'll start uh, first of all. Uh, first audio clip is from Neil Gaiman, "How I Will Remember Terry," uh, which was originally on YouTube. I will warn you, there is the one F bomb or um, F word in there. So. Um, I think you could put up with that. It is it's rather nice. So, um, back after this. This is how I, want, how I will remember him. Uh, about a year ago, I'm in a car, 
Somebody else is driving. My phone rings. And I answer it. And a voice says, hello, it's me. I'm doing my memoir. Hmm. I said, really? He says, yeah, I'm doing an autobiography. He says, and there's something I cannot remember. And I thought, maybe you can help me with it. And my heart welled. It's like, Terry, you have Alzheimer's. Of course, I will, I, I will be your memory. <laughs> I nobly <laughs> will be your memory. <laughs> I said, what is it you need to know? He said, well, you remember we were on the Good Omens author tour in February 1990. I said, yeah. And he said, we were in New York, and we went to the ABC affiliate radio station. <laughs> and there was that, and the interviewer had not actually read the book. He was just trying to interview us. Hadn't even read the press stuff. Mm -hmm. So when we started telling him about Agnes Nutter, who's, he said, the book's called Good Omens, The Nice and Accurate Predictions of Agnes Nutter, who was Agnes Nutter? And we started explaining that there was this 17th century witch who had actually, all of her predictions were true. That her, you know, prediction for 1981 was do not buy Betamax. LAUGHTER <laughs> He did not realize this was fictional. <laughs> and we were talking to him, and we realized that he had not read the book. And so we were talking about that. And the engineers in the control room behind the glass panel, who we could see because we were facing them and he could not, <laughs> were lying on their backs, kicking their legs. <laughs> 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 and I said, of course I remember. I was willing to let that one go on the entire interview. He said, yeah. He said, I had to put him out of his misery. <laughs> he said, but it wasn't that. He said, so, you remember we walked out. We walked out, and then we walked down the street, and we were singing They Might Be Giant song, Shoehorn with Teeth, because it was just so ridiculous, mm -hmm. and we just... And I'm like, I will take your word for it on that one. <laughs> he says, was it 40th, 41st or 42nd Street? <laughs> <laughs> At which point I'm going, you have fucking Alzheimer's. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that, that is how I want to remember Terry. <laughs> So, that was Neil, uh, and here's how he'll remember Terry. So, on the official website, um, here was what they uh, wrote. Sir Terry Pratchett, OBE, 1948-2015. to 2015. It, is, it is with immeasurable sadness that we announce the, that the author, Sir Terry Pratchett, has died at the age of 66. Uh, Larry Finlay, MD at Transworld Publishing, uh, I was deeply saddened to learn that Sir Terry Pratchett has died. The world has lost one of its brightest and sharpest minds. In over 70 books, Terry enriched the planet like few before him, as all who read him know. D 
Discworld was his vehicle to satirise this world. He did it so brilliantly, with great skill, enormous humour and, and constant invention. Terry faced his Alzheimer's disease, and imbogerance, as he called it, publicly and bravely. Over the last few years, it was his writing that sustained him. His legacy will endure for decades to come. My sympathies go out to Terry's wife, Lynn, their daughter, Rihanna, and to his close friend, Rob Wilkins, and all, all, and to all closest to him. Um, Terry passed away in his home with his cat sleeping on his bed, surrounded by his family on the 12th of March 2015. Diagnosed with PCA in 2007, he battled the progressive disease with his trademark determination and creativity. He continued to write, he completed his last book, a new Discworld novel, in the summer of 2014, before succumbing to the final stages of the disease. And um, just giving page, donating to the Research Institute for the Care of Older People, Rice, uh, has been set up in his memory. So if you want to donate to that, it's http double dot double dot backslash backslash www.justgiving.com backslash Terry minus Pratchett. So before I go any further, we got the another clip coming up, and this is one of the uh, the interviews with Jason for BBC Radio, and uh, we're back. After this, uh, let's come back to one of our other big stories of the day: the sad news of the death of Sir Terry Pratchett, the Buckinghamshire-born writer, was best known for his Disc World series, which consisted of some forty volumes, a huge seller, enormous seller. Um, after being diagnosed with Alzheimer's, Sir Terry campaigned for more research into the condition and became a patron of Alzheimer's Research UK in two thousand and eight. Tim Parry from the charity says that he played a vital role in raising awareness of the disease. For so long it was it was hidden behind closed doors, it wasn't talked about. And and Terry uh speaking so publicly so um uh, amazingly about his his condition has has really really changed things. So that contribution to everyone living with dementia and certainly to to Alzheimer's Research UK us as a charity is just enormous. Well, let me bring Jason Anthony into the conversation. Jason runs the Terry Pratchett Discworld newsletter and website. Jason, very good evening to you. Good evening. I wish we could be talking under more pleasant circumstances, of course. Um, what is it about Discworld, the series, that has been so extraordinary? What has made it so extraordinarily successful? I, it's, it's difficult to put your finger on just one thing. I think it's just Terry's amazing writing style. He, he had that vision that was was unique. He, he worked differently to everyone else. He saw things in a very, very different way. He would look at something you or I would just take for granted, and he'd twist it, and so you, you'd get a, a, a different view on things. And when you start seeing things his way, you kind of, you start questioning things, and, and you ask why, why are things the way they are? Uh, and, of course, the fact that they're very, very funny. Did we underestimate the scale of his success? I think he was underestimated by, or unrecognised by, the 
the, the people that decide who are the good people, rather than the, the fans themselves, the readers. I mean, obviously, he sold 70, 80 million books you, around uh, the world. Uh, Jason, you can't argue with the figures. They're amazing. Absolutely. And, and he was an incredibly terrific writer. I mean, 70 books, 41 Discworld books, the new one's out on the 18th of June, um, which is going to be bittersweet because we know that's the last one. You know, it's the last chance we get to read his wisdom for, the, for fresh. It's, 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 it's a horrible, horrible thing to think about. Did you ever meet him? Yeah, several times. He was a really, really genuine and lovely, lovely person. He he was a, a huge friend to his fans. Uh, he would go out of his way to talk to us. Um, he he was a really, really genuine, nice man. There was never any aloofness. There was never any sort of disconnect between him and the fans. I mean, he was he was part of the family. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even when he got his knighthood. Um, I, I, he came into the shop when I was in Wincanton, and I said, "Oh, well, do we call you Sir Terry now?" And he goes, "No, no, I'm just Terry." You know, he 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 he, he was immensely proud of being knighted, but he didn't he didn't wear it as sort of like some kind of way of separating himself from anyone else. He was just the same person. So you know, I don't think that really changed him. He was just a really genuine. Genuine person. He's left behind an enormous body of work. I mean, d does it stop now, or is there a chance that someone else can pick up the map? Can anyone write like Terry Pratchett? I don't think so, um, and I hope not. The, the closest person that has ever been linked with that is his, uh, his daughter, uh, Rihanna. And obviously, our condolences are with, with Rihanna and, and Lindy's wife, and, and, and uh, Rob, his PA, who's worked tirelessly with him for years. But um, he. No, I don't think so. I think even Rihanna's turned around and said, the books are sacrosanct. They're not going to be any more. That is it. Um, there's going to be continuation. There's going to be new TV series. There's going to be movies. There's a whole load of stuff in the pipeline, but there's going to be no more. Other than the one that's just been written, there's going to be no more books. Jason, thank you for joining us. Wish you well. Jason Anthony runs the Theory Project Discworld newsletter and website. So, at this point... I'll be moving on to the next uh, piece, which is um, from the Discworld Emporium and written by Bernard, the cunning artificer. On the passing of our friend, Terry Pratchett. Today, our deepest sympathy is with Lynn and Ria, Rihanna Pratchett and also with Terry's uh, Arminiosis and friend, Rob Willikins. I call him Willikins, he's Wilkins, sorry. You can see where the name came from. I once said to Terry, there are no pockets in a shroud. We had been talking about him buying a new car, and I had said he could afford a Rolls Royce if he wanted to, but he was never a man for ostentation and thought he might look good at a jag. Or he thought he might look at a jag anyway. He replied, it depends who your tailor is. I'm having a bloody great big ones in mine. I'm right this now because I could find out if that were true. I've known Terry since 1990 when we met in a bar in Covent Garden to discuss the idea of me creating small sculptures from the characters in his books. We found common ground in his days as a journalist and my days as a policeman and we became friends. Over the years we spent a lot of time together, not just uh, at the many gatherings at the Discworld Emporium in Wincanton and the conventions all over the world, but also for family celebrations at Christmas or New Year, birthdays and wedding anniversaries, lunch at the pub or baking sandwiches, round uh, our, dry, our dining room table. Um, 
every occasion uh, enlivened um, by his quick uh, quickness of mind, his encyclopedic knowledge, and mostly uh, by his humour. He was not always easy to be with. He did not suffer fools gladly, and with his command of the English language, the blasphemy him was something that this silly old fool certainly would remember for quite a while. I have been bollocked by the best in uh, in my time, but dear Hotelli, Terry was in a class of his own. Uh, Terry was in a class of his own in many ways. Other people will write about his wisdom and his skills as an author. I remember his kindness to his fans. Uh, no letters went unanswered, and every person in a bookshop signing queue got his full attention, even if he and they had been there for many hours. He enjoyed spending time with his, with his readers. He would say they worked hard to earn their money to buy his books and therefore he owed them. He generally enjoyed their company. We were privileged to co-author, or as he put it, aid and abet him in one or two books. It was a revelation uh, the way he could uh, sprinkle stardust on a sentence and make it shine or take the uh, germ of an idea. Hold it up to the light and within minutes polish it into something original, clever and very funny. We shall miss his many uh, phone calls requesting information about police procedure and gladly the location of a particular town or the landscape of train journey. We shall miss him. Bernard Pearson on behalf of us all at the Emporium. Uh, and the Just Giving site is mentioned once again. Uh, yes, I couldn't put it, nobody could have really put it better. Um, maybe Rob, uh, and Rob will get around to it eventually. And um, uh, we're moving yet now, and uh, yet, <laughs> now I'm speaking to Uvalian. Moving on to the next clip, uh, which is um, an excerpt from BBC Radio Kent's interview uh, with Jason once again. Back in a bit. Dominic King with Kent's Drive Time. BBC Radio Kent. The fantasy writer Sir Terry Pratchett has died. He was 66. After being diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, he campaigned for more research into the condition and for the legislation of assisted suicide. He took part in a highly controversial BBC documentary on the subject back in 2011. Nick Hyam looks back at his career. Terry Pratchett's Discworld filled 40 novels and a dozen other books, a magnificent comic creation which started as an affectionate parody of fantasy novels and became a vast, rambling satire on modern life. As he himself put it, it was what Tolkien's Middle-earth might have become 500 years after the end of Lord of the Rings. The big battles are all over, the cities have grown, the, the, the trolls and the dwarves and, and the, the elves have, you know... Uh, are now citizens, by and large. Politics has taken the place of warfare, uh, and everyone is chasing a dollar. Terry Pratchett was a journalist on his local paper in Buckinghamshire when his first novel was published, and a press officer for the Central Electricity Generating Board when he wrote the first Discworld book in 1983. By the 1990s, he was the UK's best-selling fiction writer, selling three million copies a year. His popularity meant he could become a full-time author, enjoying the considerable fruits of success, including a country home near Salisbury, until in 2007 he was diagnosed with a rare form of Alzheimer's. It didn't affect his writing to begin with, but he could no longer tie a tie or type. 
nor could he read his own books. He became a campaigner for more spending on research into Alzheimer's and for assisted suicide. In one television documentary, he visited Dignitas in Switzerland, where the terminally ill are helped to die. He wanted the law changed. If you do help somebody to commit suicide, you may be prosecuted. If your motive was love or compassion, then this will be taken into account. However, it remains illegal. In one of his last interviews, still wearing his trademark black fedora, his white beard bushier than it once was, he spoke haltingly, sometimes losing his thread. Arrangements for his own death were, he said, in hand. A stricken person should be allowed to go to their rest in comfort. Alzheimer's patients gradually lose their sense of themselves. In Terry Pratchett, the light died slowly and very publicly, an especial tragedy in a man who was once so brilliant. Nick Hyam, well, someone who met uh, Terry Pratchett on more than one occasion, Jason Anthony, who runs Discworld Monthly. He's on the line with me now. Uh, Jason, thank you for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, Discworld Monthly, an emailed newsletter about the author, goes out to about 20,000 people around the world. Jason, uh, you got to know him. You met him on several occasions. First of all, what was he like? He was a very affable person. He loved his fans. He... He felt a duty, not, but more than a duty. He, he, he was akin to a friendship. He, he liked his fans. He liked spending time with his fans. And so I think when he wasn't actually working, he'd, um, when he came to events, he, he put himself out to be um, available to as many people as possible. Um, he kind of felt like he was paying back the loyalty of the fans. He, he also, uh, you mentioned the generosity, and we've heard that lots this afternoon from people who have met him and, and spent time with him. Now, we imagine, don't we, that uh, as a fan of someone who, you know, a writer or a celebrity that we see, and, and it's very different. He wasn't a celebrity, and he would probably be the first to say that. He, it was more about him being a writer. Uh, people get the chance to spend time, and you, you almost imagine, you know, you get a moment here and a moment there. Not you. You went out with him for a curry. Uh, you, you spent time with other fans with him. Uh, he picked you up uh, once in his car as well after a convention. I mean, that's not what we normally hear about uh, people at conventions. Yeah, I think Terry, um, he... It's difficult to put into words, but I think he, he genuinely thought of uh, his fans as friends rather than just people that bought his books. Uh, he he wanted to be with the people. He he was a science fiction reader. Uh, he consumed vast quantities of, of, of fiction and fantasy as a child, and I think he realised where we all come from, um, uh, and he recognised kindred spirits. Tell me about the writing of Sir Terry. What, what impact has it had on you? Well, it's, 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 it's consumed my life for the last, uh, what, 17, 18 years um, since I've been writing the newsletter. Uh, it's, it's allowed me to meet lots of wonderful, wonderful people. Including your girlfriend? Yeah, including my girlfriend, yeah. We met at the, uh, the convention last year, so that was a, a very pleasant surprise. So, uh, yeah, so we got Terry to thank for that as well, so that's a, a wonderful thing. How did you feel today when you heard the news? Really upset. Um, I've known personally that he's been ill for for some time, um, and it's even knowing it's coming, um, the news still hits hard. Uh, there's been lots of lots of tears here today. What do you think his legacy will be, and how will you reflect that in Discworld Monthly? Yeah, something I've got to do tonight. I've got to send out a newsletter tonight and say to everyone, 
yeah, this is what's happened. Um, his legacy, well, I mean, you've got to look at the 70 books and the 41 Discord novels. That You, you know, you, you, he will live on forever in that respect, you know. Um, hopefully, in, in time to come, he'll be recognised as the, the, the true master of words that he is. Some have said uh, that he's legitimised fantasy. Before Terry Pratchett, people kind of saw it as a, almost a, a bit of fun. He was much more than just fantasy. Fantasy was... He got labelled as fantasy because he wrote about dragons occasionally. But he also wrote about police dramas. He wrote about murder. He wrote about uh, procedural things. He, he, he wrote about war. Um, he wrote about time travel. He wrote all sorts of things. Um, but because there's a dragon on the front cover, it became fantasy. Mm. He was much more than just a genre writer. He was a, a, an amazing author. You've eloquently described him. Thank you for being with us, Jason. We appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Jason Anthony, who runs Discworld Monthly, a newsletter about the author. Uh, good to have you with us, paying tribute to Sir Terry Pratchett, who died at the age of 66. I'm sure there'll be many more writers and fans alike who will be thinking of him in the coming days. Still ahead. So, the next um, remembrance is a short one. Um... It's from Sean Rippon, who is one of our admins on the uh, DWM uh, Facebook group. Sean says, One of my fondest memories of Sir, Terry's, uh, Sir Terry is fetching him a cold can of Cronenberg 1664 when he dropped in at the Wadfest and then chatting away with the great man and the other fans for ages. I'm now testing his memory with a can of the same beer and hoping that his family, friends and fans can find some solace in the knowledge that he was loved and so dearly by so many. So like it's just a short one there. Um, now the next clip uh, is the brilliant Stephen Briggs and this was another radio interview. So back in a bit. It was with the words, Terry took death's arm and followed him through the doors and onto the black desert under the endless night. The end. That's Sir Terry Pratchett's death was uh, announced on his own Twitter feed. I spoke to Sir Terry in 2011 after his documentary, Choosing to Die, was shown on BBC Two, which showed millionaire uh, Peter Smedley, who had motor neuron disease, end his life. Um, he spoke about the emotions of being there when Peter died. Really, it, it was because of the incongruity of everything. Mm. Because you think a man's died, and that's a bad thing. But this is a man that wanted to die, so is that a good thing? Uh, when you watch him, as we did, and we, we met him on, on a number of occasions, he was emphatic in that he wanted to die. While he never had a bad word to say about care, he said he did not want care. He did not, in a phrase I used elsewhere, he did not um, want to spend any more time than, than necessary in, in the mouth of the lion. And what, what was also interesting, of course, because Sir Terry having Alzheimer's, what was, that's a different situation from somebody with a terminal disease, isn't it? Because when the time comes that you would maybe want to end your life, you are no longer able to make that decision. Um, yes, probably, yeah. You summed it up in one phrase, and I think you used it a couple of times when you said, who owns your life? Yes. Because it, there was an old play, wasn't there, years ago, whose life is it anyway? The greater good of society 
or the choice of an individual. But that's it, isn't it? Who owns your life? That's what you firmly believe. Indeed. Um, and people have tried to say, for example, that if we would allow, as it were, another Peter Smedley to die with the help of a physician, I would sincerely hope, in the UK, that would send a message to everyone else with the same disease that, you know, their life was more or less forfeit, it wasn't worth living. Mm. But I think this is made up. I mean, I'm in touch with lots of uh, people with early-onset Alzheimer's, and we discuss this sort of thing, and uh, they say, well, if any one of us manages to escape... <laughs> Uh, this, this this bloody disease, which really, you know, it grinds you down to the core. I think the rest of us would be envious. How are you finding it at the moment, the, the, the yourself, the, the Alzheimer's? The problems I have <laughs> mostly can be solved with technology. But I'm well aware uh, that, you know, because, I, because I've investigated things, that when, in another year or so it's going to get really bad, or start getting really bad. And I know stories of people with Alzheimer's who've actually attacked members of their family and done all kinds of horrible things, and indeed had horrible things done to them. And it's nothing is their fault. You, know. mm. you, don't, you do not want, know what's happening in the cockpit now that the, most, of the, most of the pilot is dead. Not there anymore. And that's something mm. you don't want to be there for. No. I think, unusually among the other diseases, you can't really say to someone with Alzheimer's, well, just, you know, wait till the end, because with Alzheimer's, the end is, is getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and there's going to be less and less of you to appreciate that. And less and less of you to make that decision. To make any decision. Yeah. So what you're saying, that you're your head's in the mouth of the lion and we're going we're gonna to pat the lion. Stephen Briggs was Sateri's co-writer and friend for 20 years. Stephen, good morning. Morning, Hickey. Um, commiserations. Um, yeah, thank you. Tell us about Sateri. <laughs> he was a great bloke, in my view. Masses of fun working, him, working with him for the last 25 years. You know, funny, loyal, supportive, waspy... Um, a bloke could always be relied on to be honest about everything, as like in your interview. Yes, and a, a tremendous body of work. Absolutely fantastic. Um, was he still? Was the pilot? Was any of the pilots still there towards the end? I think, as he said, the pilot was definitely leaving the cockpit towards the end. Um, and I think one of the sort of sad, it's one of the sad things about Alzheimer's, isn't it? Um, as you said in the interview, as he said in the interview. You get to a point where we all of us think we'd like somebody to flick the switch before we get to that point where we're just beyond that stage. But the trouble is you just get to that point where when you're this side of the door, you don't want the, the switch flicked. And then the second you've stepped through the door, you're no longer able to make the decision yourself. Um, and I think, you know, what he would have liked, as we know, he'd like to be sitting in his garden drinking a brandy and listening to Thomas Tallis on his iPod. Um, but that didn't happen. When did you last see him? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was poorly then. Um, and it's you know it's sad to see somebody that you've known for so long, 
and who has always, for the majority of that time, been such a bright, active, fizzy, um, you know, personality. Um, it's a shame to see them going like that. Was there any recognition at all, or was he? Yes, yes, there was, and that's quite. All oh, right, okay. It's gratifying, isn't it? But, yeah. But you know, how, did, how did he express that? I mean, you could tell in the look of his face, and you could tell in the things he said. But it was he—he he, he was already having difficulty with pulling words together, um, and you could sense the frustration. You know, having, like in your interview, having spoken to him about the same things, you knew that the same Terry Pratchett was in there. And probably, you know, struggling with the controls to try and make the rest of him do what he wanted him to do, but it just wasn't working. You could tell from reading his books, from talking to him, I had the privilege of being able to do that. Yeah. And, and, you know, as I say, reading his works. And also uh, his his compassion when he did that remarkable documentary. Um, and also that beautiful thing he did, as I was just mentioning with orangutans, you yes. could see his his soul and his spirit you see, it's coming out there with uh, with his uh, with with our fellow primates. I find that deeply moving. Did you? Yeah, he was he was a, a great humanist, and he did feel very strongly about orangutans. It was uh, you know he and I both supported them. Um, me through the royalties and the plays, and Terry through donations and the support work he's done. And yes, it's so it's it's. A very indicative thing of his character. I think when somebody you see somebody making such connection with our fellow species, it's it says something about someone. Do you not agree? Yeah. Yes, he had a strong sense of of right and wrong. What was right for people and for other other species? Yes. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Stephen. A really uh, difficult time for you, but uh, your your words were very moving. Thank you very much. Thanks, Nicky. Stephen right. Briggs, uh, Sateri's co-writer and friend of uh, of uh, twenty years, um, we're going to be discussing uh, Alzheimer's later on because of this diagnosed with dementia. How do you cope, Alzheimer's? Um, how are you coping? This is because I mean, Sateri Pratchett um, was a great. Um, uh, what's the right word here? He was a great, I suppose, advocate of of of. of Knowing about the disease, of facing up to the disease, of of people understanding the, the disease, he spoke about it. He got huge praise of, for for uh, articulating what he was going through and uh, talking about what he was going to go through as well. And uh, that that praise is absolutely uh, worthy. So this uh, next piece um, is basically oh. From the daughter herself, from Rihanna. Uh, and if any one person really knew her, uh, knew him, her entire life, it was Rihanna. So it starts. This is from the uh, Telegraph, and um, the Daily Telegraph from the United Kingdom. And the title was, It was like having a full-size hobbit for a father. What are Rihanna Pratchett's most cherished early memories of tucking herself like a human hot water bottle at her father's back in a big chair in his study, peering out from behind him as he played computer games? The year was 1982 and Rihanna was six. Her father, Terry, was a young science fiction writer who would the following year publish The Colour of Magic. The first 
in the best-selling Disc World series that would come to see him become one of Britain's most successful authors, second only to J.K. Rowling. Those hours spent in front of the computer with her father had a lasting impact on Yana, who went on to become a successful writer of video games, known for her work on Tomb Raider, uh, Heavenly Sword and Mirror's Edge. I was interested in what my dad was interested in. Robotics, gadgets and computers, she says. I thought that fighting aliens and robots was something that girls did as well as boys, so I found a way of doing that for a living. And now, following her father's untimely death at the age of 66, she has another role. Guardian of the Discworld. The fantastical, hilarious, endlessly surprising milieu that Soteri devised. It is loved by millions the world over, from children who delight in the daft humour and silly puns, to the academics who relate the sharp satire and social critiques. There is at least one uh, serious philosophical volume examining the eptim oh you have excuse me for this one the ep epistemological and existential implications of the novels. So Terry announced in twenty twelve that he would be leaving the intellectual rights for this world uh, to Rihanna. And father and daughter launched a multimedia production company, Narrativia, to retain exclusive rights to his works across all platforms. With the sales of tens of millions of books worldwide, it is a massive empire. My role will be to protect the brand that my dad had established, she says. I will steer Discworld. I will be a caretaker and look after how it's used and adapted. For Rihanna, who announced Terry's passing on Twitter in the voice of death, one of his best-loved characters, her father was always a kindred spirit. They shared, she says, the same imagination, a sense of impatience and a fondness for witty sarcasm. I just always got that, she says. He always had this desire to share experiences. It was the way he brought himself uh, brought up himself. So he would talk to me as if I was on his level and made a literally confident of me pretty early on. Dad was like a druid. He taught me how to build watermills in the stream, the names of plants or flowers, and what was edible in nature. It was like growing up in Middle Earth and having a full-sight hobbit for a father. She recalls when she was very young, being woken by him in the middle of the night, wrapped in a blanket and taken outside to see the glowworms in the hedge. He felt... It was more important that I experienced the wonders of the world than got a good night's sleep, she says. Rihanna, the only child of Soteri and his wife Lynn, a former teacher, was raised in rural Somerset, where in another, uh, another indicator of her parents' somewhat unconventional approach to parenting, she was possibly the only girl to have a six-foot picture of the terrifying alien queen from alien films pinned to her bedroom door. She was also probably one of the Somerset's best-travelled youngsters between the ages of 8 and 16. Her parents took her with them all over the world when her father spoke at fantasy and science fiction conventions. Went home at the family's uh, pink hillside cottage, one of her favourite pastimes was to climb a tree and read a book. It was all very Heidi-like, Cherie says, recalling how her father, who kept ducks, chickens and goats, would allow her to herd the latter through the valley, watching from distance. At our interview, which took place some time before Soteri's death, it was obvious that Rihanna was very much her father's daughter. 
The novelist featured uh, a favoured. The novelist favoured a look once described as urban cowboy, almost always topping off one off with a large black fedora. His daughter has what she calls a business goth style, which comprised of a slinky black trouser suit, pointy-toed uh, black stiletto boots, and a red and black t-shirt from the slightly uh, outre rave wear retail Cyberdog. She also sported a Batman knuckle duster and a silver skull pennant that she explained was modelled on Discworld's death in the novels. Death always speaks in capital letters, as in the tweets uh, that Rihanna sent with shaking hands and tear-filled eyes last week. At last, said Terry, we must walk together. But Rihanna and I also talked about the more mundane lowercase death, which her father was then facing with great courage in 2007. At the age of 59, Terry had outed himself in a press release to the world as an Alzheimer's sufferer. He wanted to raise the profile of the illness that he described as an embuggerance. Rihanna told me, that didn't surprise me. It felt the right way for him to deal with things. We practice are a bit fighty. You don't change anything by staying quiet. She also admitted that it was like, a, it was, that it was devastating when she first found out about dad's illness and it took a long time to sink in. I try to be a glass-half-full person. There will always be those glass-half-empty, dark night-of-the-soul moments. But it's about keeping that, that fight, I think. She was in a taxi to Heathrow for a work trip to the States where her father rang to tell her before he went public. It took me five attempts to fill in my US visa form because I couldn't focus. I even burst into tears in front of the cabin crew. My parents and I have always been a little tight unit. It was an odd experience, she said, to have the world knowing about her father's condition, having to field questions about it on Facebook and Twitter. However, she grew even closer to both parents and her father's diagnosis. But she said that the family was just trying to get on with it. That was the very British way. But that all three had become more emotionally open, which was a silver lining for a cloud that, I, that I'd rather didn't exist. So I'm going to leave it at that point there and play you another clip and we'll come back to the piece after this. I only ended my conversation there with Michelle because I do want to talk about this. Fantasy author Terry Pratchett has died at the age of 66 after a long battle with Alzheimer's. Uh, Terry, best known for the uh, Discworld series. Uh, he was probably our best-selling uh, author in the 90s, wasn't he? He wrote more than 70 books over his lengthy career. He was first diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2007 but continued writing, uh, completing his final book last summer. He also became really passionate about it and certainly he was one of the most high-profile uh, people I know uh, talking about this uh, debilitating illness. He died at home, surrounded by his family. Jason Anthony is the editor of uh, the Terry Pratchett fan uh, newsletter, Disc World Monthly. J Jason, thank you so much uh, for talking to us tonight. No, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. How much of a shock was it that 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 it that it happened now was he had he been uh, as had his health been deteriorated? Had you heard anything? Yeah, he he's obviously um, been ill for since he had 
his PCA diagnosis in 2007. Um, he, he, for the last couple of years, have been pretty tough on him. He's uh, he, by the time we went to the convention um, in Manchester last year, he lost about 90% of his eyesight um, through the PCA. His eyes were working, but his brain wasn't able to interpret the images anymore. So um, he spent the last few months of his life pretty much in darkness, um, which must have been pretty horrible for him. Um, so yeah, we we know he's been ill for some time, but it's still a, a terrible shock uh, to actually hear the news today. What was it about his writing that captured so many people's imagination? I think through comedy, he made us all think. He he looked at something and worked out how something worked in a different way, and then he got you to question things, things that you take for granted, things that were always oh we've always done it that way. He would ask why. Why is it done that way? Why don't we do it differently? And why don't we look at things differently? So he stopped. He made he made jokes and everyone laughed, but he also made us think, which I think is really important. When did you become a fan? I became a fan um, back in the early nineties. So I was, you know he'd already written sort of ten books by that point, or ten, maybe even more, fifteen books by that point. So I, I you know I came into it quite late, but. Um, but I've been a fan ever since. No, just tell me, normally when uh, uh, people who write or people who sing pass away, there's a run on their material. Uh, what is it that you are imagining now there will be a serious run on? Which of his books? Or, yes. Oh, I don't know. He was, I did, we've done things in the past, what's your favourite Terry book? And, um, you know, he's with 41 to choose, or 41 in the Discord series to choose one. It, 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 everyone likes a different one for different reasons. Some people like books about uh, Australia. There's one that's ostensibly about Australia, which a load of people like. There's one. Um, there's, there's, there's ones about witches. There's ones about police. There's, there's all sorts of different ones, and so everyone would have their own own view on on what is his best one. But I would imagine possibly Malt, um, the one that introduced death, really introduced death as a full-on character. I guess that would probably be a lot of people's favourite and I guess poignant at this time. Thank you so much for your time. It's uh, much appreciated. Uh, at Deepest Commiserations, of course, uh, Jason Anthony, the editor of the Terry Pratchett fan newsletter, Discworld Monthly. So, carrying on where I left off. This is Rihanna, about her father. It was like having a full-sized hobbit for a father. Her parents were living in Wiltshire while she was based in London, but they saw a lot of each other and spoke constantly. I'm always telling them I love them on the phone, in a slightly silly way. We always say to each other, mind how you go. It's almost like a Pratchett mantra for safety. Her mother was a tower of strength, she said. She's a very generous spirit, kind and caring. They have been wonderful parents, very good but not nagging me to have kids or get married. It's like they missed out a chapter in the parenting manual. After his illness was announced, father and daughter sometimes worked together on Discord stories. They also worked out uh, worked on a soon-to-be-made TV version of the series The Watch. The result, she told me, was that her father addressed her as a fellow writer. It's lovely working on characters and biographies and reading them out to him and laughing at a joke that he thinks is his, but it's actually mine. If I can make my dad think one of my jokes is his, it really has to be the ultimate compliment. So Terry's rare onset of a form of Alzheimer's 
posterior cortical atrophy meant that he couldn't type or drive or dress himself without help. He wrote with speech recognition software. In several BBC television documentaries, he talked frankly about his wish to use the assisted dying organisation Dignitas when it came to the time. I asked Rihanna about her views on assisted death. I absolutely support everything he has done to champion Dignitas, she says. It was very hard for me to watch the documentaries, but I saw the importance of IU in them to get the people talking. We do have a problem with talking about death and last wishes in in this country, yet we are all going to die and we should be able to talk about that in a mature adult way. Last week Rihanna tweeted a picture of herself with her father saying, Miss you already, a sentiment ship of millions. So the tweets that came out uh, yesterday afternoon uh, to announce the, the death of Terry Pratchett, one, the end, and the other in capital letters, which I understand is significant if you've read the books, at last, Sir Terry, we must walk together. A uh, tweet from Terry Pratchett, um, uh, which uh, announces his death yesterday. The fantasy, fantasy novelist uh, who created the Discworld series was 66. He had that very public battle with Alzheimer's as well. Uh, we'll talk to someone who just loves a bit of Pratchett. But first, here's Nick Heim looking back at that life and career. Drifting onwards through space, atop the shell of the great turtle are four giant elephants upon whose broad shoulders rests... The Discworld. Terry Pratchett's Discworld was a magnificent comic creation which filled more than 50 books. It started as an affectionate parody of fantasy novels and became a vast satire on modern life and the human race, a sort of Middle Earth, 500 years after the end of Lord of the Rings. The big battles are all over, the cities have grown. The, the, the trolls and the dwarves and, and the, the elves of you know uh, are now citizens by and large. Politics has taken the place of warfare, uh, and everyone is chasing a dollar. In the 1990s, he was the UK's best-selling fiction writer. He wrote a book every six months and sold three million copies a year. He was a press officer for the Central Electricity Generating Board when he wrote the first Discworld book. The series' popularity meant he could become a full-time writer, enjoying the considerable fruits of success, until in 2007 he was diagnosed with a rare form of Alzheimer's. Things like putting on a jacket or tying a tie. It didn't affect his writing to begin with, but he could no longer tie a tie or type. Okay, over. No. He became a campaigner for more spending on research into Alzheimer's, making a television documentary about his own search for treatment. You'll excuse me for hoping that when my memories eventually go, they'll take me with them. In another documentary, he visited Dignitas in Switzerland, where the terminally ill are helped to die. He wanted the law on assisted suicide changed. In one of his last interviews, he said he had arrangements for his own death in hand. That's lovely. Thank you very much. A stricken person should be allowed to go to their rest in comfort. In fact, his publishers said he died unassisted of natural causes, in bed, surrounded by his family. Alzheimer's patients gradually lose their sense of themselves. In Terry Pratchett, the light died slowly and very publicly, an especial tragedy in a man who was once so brilliant. Hmm. Oh, very sad, but, you know, I guess there's a lot of people listening to this who've got 
their own personal Terry Pratchett um, living with them or have lived with them. So it's it's something that affects an awful lot of people, Alzheimer's and, and dementia. Uh, let's talk to Jason Anthony, who uh, edits the Terry Pratchett fan newsletter. Hello, Jason. Good morning. Hi. How did you react when you saw that, that tweet yesterday? Uh, well, my whole, my whole world kind of went upside down. Uh, uh, we, we got online very quickly and found out what was going on and... Uh, uh, the outpouring of emotions from everyone was just incredible. It's um, he was a, a hugely dubbed character, and everyone's really, really upset by by his passing. He, he became, uh, I mean, his fight against uh, dis, uh, you know Alzheimer's was, I think, almost surprising for some who just saw him as a funny man. He, he was a funny man who had had real depth to his character as well. Yeah, he was much more than just a funny man. The the the, the he was a very funny man, but the jokes hid um, the true meaning of his stories. He had a lot of depth behind those jokes, and, and they made you stop and think. So there's, there's far, too, far more to him than just a comedy writer. Right. Now, one or two people uh, in, in uh, the office today have never read a Terry Pratchett book. What would you say to them? Go, go to the bookshop, pick one up, and start, and read it. And then you'll, 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 There's 41 books in the, series, in the Discworld series. Pick one. Uh, um, there's lots of different genres in, in, within there. There's, there's books about witches, there's books about wizards, there's books about police procedural stuff. There's, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff to interest lots of different people. Just pick one up and enjoy it. They're, they're so much fun to read. Um, and and, and do, will you reread them, uh, Jason? Is, is that what, what happens? You, you go back over and over and over, do you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We, um, you know, I'm sitting here looking at... Uh, through, you know, a massive bookshelf full of Terry's works across the rooms, and, and we do often dip back into the books and, and, and go back for a bit of a reread just to remember some of the things he's written, sort of thing. Yeah. Jason, thanks very much indeed. If, you, if you're a Terry Pratchett fan, we would love, love you to tell us why you think that people who haven't read the book should. So, next up is Colin. Colin Hicks. So, to lighten up the mood here, especially for me, uh, you'll hear it. Clacks! So, this is Colin's bit. As I write, it, it's less than 24 hours since we heard the worst news possible. I feel like I've had been punched in the gut. I find it difficult to put into words how I feel at the moment. Ever since I was given a copy of The Colour Magic and told to read it, Terry has been a very pardoned part of my life. What has hit me the most is that after this year's book has been published, I will never have the anticipation of getting the yearly Pratchett book. What has been a wonderful what has been wonderful is the response of the online community and all those whom Terry touched. Tributes have been coming in from everywhere. Not bad for a simple writer. All of our wishes go to his family, especially uh, Lynn and Rihanna, and to Rob Wilkins, his PA, business manager, most of all his best friend. It's difficult to write more, so I'll finish by saying, tears have been shed, tears will be shed, but when that's over, the memories will remain. All of the many tributes, I think this simple form, one from Jeff Rupp on our Facebook group, sums it all, of all our feelings. The turtle moves, to which I added, forever. So, 
and we'll be getting into the next clip uh, which is a uh, BBC Radio 2 clip so back in a bit but now we ask you if you wish to pay your tribute to Terry Pratchett the best-selling author has died aged 66 and it followed a very high-profile fight with early-onset Alzheimer's disease. But since the release of his first novel, The Colour of Magic, in 1983, his book sold more than 75 million copies around the world. You or someone you know reads Sir Terry. He's one of Britain's most loved writers. His passing was announced in typical style via his Twitter account first, with a tweet in the style of one of the characters from his books, Death. And this tweet read, At last, Sir Terry, we must walk together. A second tweet read, Terry took Death's arm and followed him through the doors and onto the black desert under the endless night. And the final tweet simply read, The end. Terry Pratchett wasn't a fantasy author alone that didn't define him. His friends and readers said he was a man of incredible intelligence. He was often called upon for commentary on theology, religion, humanity and life itself. And from his diagnosis with Alzheimer's in 2008, he worked tirelessly to raise money and awareness. And as you know, he also became a strong campaigner for the right to die legislation. Did he inspire you? Tell us what was magical about his writing. Summon up a character for us. Uh, have you never read him? What is this the time you might start? 0500 288 291. Email vine at bbc.co.uk. First, let's meet his illustrator, uh, Paul Kidby. Hello, Paul. Hello. For a man who spent a lot of time talking as he did about death, the end, I think, must still have shocked you. Yes, it did. Um, I mean, we knew that Terry wasn't well, um, but it's still a shock when the news comes. And how did you first meet him? I met Terry in 1994, and I queued at a book signing in Smith's in Bath, and I had some photocopies of some of Terry's characters that I had drawn, and I, I thought I'd go to the book signing and give him the copies of, of my drawings. And I queued for three hours. And I wasn't prepared to queue for three hours. I didn't realise how popular he was um, back then. I mean, he's even more popular now. But um, three hours gave me um, the time for the penny to drop that he was uh, very successful and had a huge following even even then. Paul, thank you. Uh, for now, we're going to try and uh, plug our, our buttons differently and get you a better phone line, but we heard that you came with drawings as a reader, you queued for three hours, and Terry then made you his illustrator because he knew he loved your stuff and you could see his characters. Uh, we'll kind of come back to you, Paul. Jason Anthony is editor of the Terry Pratchett newsletter, Discworld Monthly. Hello, Jason. Good afternoon. Paul said he was staggered by his popularity. Were you... Um, yeah, well, I've known Terry for a long time. We uh, first met him back in 1990, and he'd already written 15 books by then. So mm. it, it's been a long time, and he has been very popular for a long time. But uh, popular with fans, but not necessarily popular with the um, press or with the, the critics, I think. Mm, that's interesting. So there was a sort of snobbism. He was a fantasy writer, he wore a big hat, and uh, he's not for us, us bookish people. That's, that's what it seemed to be. Um, whereas if you actually read his books, there's a lot more detail than that. There's, there's, he writes a lot more than just fantasy. He writes about 
uh, about police procedures. He writes murder mysteries. He, he writes all sorts of things. There's, there's far, far more into it. Um, equal um, women's rights and uh, all sorts of bits and pieces. There's far more in his stories than just fantasy. Um, it's, it's interesting how we say just fantasy, that many people read fantasy, but also many of us read in genres, don't we? We feel as though we're not going to step comfortably into a new world. And we're going to ask you to do a job for us, which I'm sure you'll love doing, which is introducing him to new readers. There will be many listening who haven't picked him up. Back to Paul Kidby. Uh, Paul, we've mended your phone line. We, we've got jobs as telephone engineers now. Um, Thank you. <laughs> what we'd like you to do, you illustrate one of his characters. Illustrate one in our mind, draw a character for us uh, about why you loved drawing this person and, and what characteristics they had. One of Terry Pratchett's characters who fired your imagination. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with Granny Weatherwax, who's one of my favourites. And she's, uh, she's an elderly lady. So, like Jason was saying, uh, lots of Terry's main characters were female, uh, which for me is really good because it's, it's lovely to do strong characters. But um, what you expect, the Granny Weatherwax is an elderly lady in her 80s, quite uh, tall and thin, um, which is very powerful. And that sort of comes across when I draw her in the way I sort of do her stance and her face, her eyes. It's, it's all really in her expression. OK. And, and Jason, you're listening. Tell us again the name of the character we're listening to now. Granny Weatherwax. Granny Weatherwax. And yes. what, what does she do in, in the novels? What kind of fun is had with Granny Weatherwax? Well, she's a witch, um, but in the Discworld, witches aren't evil old crones. They're, they're midwives. They're the people that sit up all night with the dead bodies and look after them um, until the next morning. They're the people that make the tough decision on the edges. So when it's time to let someone go, when it's time to help someone, to bring new life into the, into the world, um, they are the wise people, the people that people go to when they don't have answers. And is this sort of for children we know who liked Harry Potter? Is it appropriate for, for 15 downwards? Is it 10-year-old, can 10-year-olds read it? Terry's written a number of books for the younger audience, the younger adults. Um, so there's a Tiffany Aiken book, which starts off with a young witch who's age nine. So that's a really good introduction for, for the younger readers. Um, and then the main books... I, I've known readers as low as maybe nine or ten, but it's probably teen onwards, I would think. What did he think about his fans? I mean, obviously we heard he hired Paul as his illustrator. Uh, that's quite a risk, you'd think, if you just go to a book signing and say, oh, look, I've drawn one of your characters, and before you know where you are, you're drawing many in publishing. Yeah, I think he's um, he, he loved his fans. He was a fan of his fans if you like he, he 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 made friendships from his fans rather than just treat them as people that paid his books he he would come to events and he would give up a lot of his time and um outside of the, his requirements his commitments in these times he'd sit down and he'd come down to the bar at the end of the evening and sit and have drinks with with his fans and spend time with them and what would your tribute to him be a very funny man that made us think Thank you both very much for now. We were listening there to Jason Anthony, editor of the Terry Pratchett newsletter, Discworld Monthly, and Paul Kidby. Uh, we'll take some music and then we'll talk about the work he did for Alzheimer's research and ask you as well, pay your own tribute. So, after that, um, just a, a small bit of news um, because by the time we get the next podcast out, uh, this bit of news will have passed. So... Um... The Long Mars is due out on paperback format on the 9th of April. 
uh, the full review will be out in next month's podcast. So, not long to go now. I know it's going long, but uh, I think you can understand and hopefully you'll forgive me for making it such a long podcast this time around. Uh, we have now the eighth clip, and this is uh, BBC Radio 5. Across the UK, this is BBC Five Live. Five Live Drive with Anna Foster and Tony Livesey. Good afternoon. Welcome to Drive. Our main story is the death of Sir Terry Pratchett at the age of 66. The author whose Discworld series won him fans across the world have been suffering from Alzheimer's and he campaigned tirelessly for greater awareness about the disease. The news was announced to his fans on Twitter shortly after three o'clock this afternoon. The messages read, At last, Sir Terry, we must walk together. Terry took Death's arm and followed him through the doors and onto the black desert under the endless night. The end. His publishers, Transworld, then released a statement saying the world has lost one of its brightest, sharpest minds. He died at home, surrounded by his family. Sir Terry wrote more than 70 books over the course of his career. His famous fantasy series was set in Discworld, a flat disc balanced on the backs of four elephants stood on the back of a giant turtle. It made millions laugh and it made them think as well. He was first diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2007 but continued writing and finished his final book last summer. Tributes have poured in. David Cameron tweeted in the last hour that he was sad to hear of Sir Terry Pratchett's death. His books fired the imagination of millions and he fiercely campaigned for dementia awareness. Here is Sir Terry talking to Five Lives Colin Patterson in 2009. When you, when you receive a diagnosis with the word Alzheimer's anywhere in the sentence, um, you know, the... the uh, the world goes red for a moment. And unlike cancer, which I would certainly agree is, is another terrible disease, you don't really know which way to turn. You know, there, are, there is no cure. Um, many G- D- GPs don't fully understand it or know how to diagnose it. And there are, sev- there are various variants of it. Um, for example, in my case... I was diagnosed once as ha- not having dementia. Because um, you originally thought it was a stroke? Something like a stroke was, was what I was left believing I'd had. And um, after another six weeks, I thought, no, this is whatever's happening here is not something normal. It's not like a stroke or anything like that. This is, this is something else. And fortuitously, my my wonderful uh, GP sent me, probably not realising she was doing it, to, to one of the few people in the country that specialised in the variant I have, which is called PCA, posterior cortical atrophy, which is a kind of visual dementia. It means I can sit here chatting to you quite happily. But um, if I look at it, if I read a word with a lot of uprights in it, you no know, I's and L's, they'll start doing a little dance. That's a Terry talking to Colin Patterson back in 2009. Well, Jason Anthony is the editor of the Terry Pratchett fan newsletter Discworld Monthly. Hello, Jason. Hello there. It's a, such a sad day for you and his, his fans, you know, just here but around the world. Yeah, um, Facebook and uh, Twitter have, have exploded, um, just pouring out of sympathy. We've known Terry's been ill for a, a long time, but it's still a real shock to, to, to hear the news. What was it about his writing that, that really drew you in? I loved his way he observed something. Can you write a sentence and you start reading along with the sentence and about halfway through it, 
he'd twist it and you wouldn't expect it. So it's a little bit of a shock. And then you'd sit there and laugh and chuckle. And and often you'd laugh out loud, which is quite fun if you're sitting somewhere public reading his books. He just made me laugh and, and question question life. Mm. It's quite something as well. When I mean, he wrote more than 70 books over his career, but to, to be able to continue to surprise fans like you who follow his work and, and who almost after a time you would think that you would, would come to know, you know, what to expect of him, but but you never did. Well, that's the beauty of his writing. He 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 read so much himself. He, he, he was so full of knowledge that he could draw on any genre and he could put he could, he could see things the way people, no one else could. He had a unique view, vision of the world and uh, he wrote it down and, and, and we loved it. We enjoyed it. And you met him several times as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, I, through the newsletter, uh, I've met Terry a few times. We um, one memorable time was when we were filming *The Color of Magic*, uh, the TV adaptation, and I had a phone call. Um, Can you come to the train station? Um, and the Jaguar pulled up, and uh, I got in, and it's Terry Terry's car, and we got driven to Pinewood, and I spent the afternoon watching a film being made, eating dinner with Terry in, in, in Pinewood Studios. It was a really wonderful, wonderful day. What was he like in person compared to, to the author behind the books? He deeply cared for his fans. He spent a lot of time with his fans. Uh, if there were um, corporate parties, he would invite his fans along. So he had someone to talk to that wasn't one of the corporate people. So he could be himself. He didn't have to do the the whole business thing he could just talk to his friends and talk to and and, and he, i think he definitely considered a lot of us to be his friends rather than just his fans jason so he thank was you. really yeah. friendly yeah. yeah thanks jason then and of course a large part of his later life was spent campaigning about the condition that he suffered from claire walton is from the alzheimer's society good afternoon claire good afternoon um he did an awful lot for your organization didn't he i suppose because he was he was so very candid about that condition and really brought it into the public eye Yes, um, ever since his diagnosis in 2007, he's been a really strong supporter of the organisation but and also campaigner on our behalf. Um, you know, he's been one of the first real high-profile people in the UK to talk about his condition publicly, you know, with such kind of candour and really explain what it's like to live about to live with dementia so that's really helped people and to get a grasp of what it what it's like you know something that was kind of in the shadows for far too long he's also been um a really determined and passionate campaigner for research and he believed that more funding into research as we do is is really the answer to to curing these conditions and what what kind of difference did all of that make for you well, in, for, for research, it's made a huge difference. Um, you know, he was he was very vocal ahead of the G8 summit on dementia in 2013, asking for um, more more money. And since then, we've seen a doubling in investment for dementia research. So, you know, it, his his him being so vocal really has brought dementia out of the shadows and, and people are starting to, to take note and to put money into research. Mm. I mean, it obviously made a difference, as you say, right at the top of society. What about just ordinary people that that came to you having heard what he said what what difference did it make for them well i think i think that's where it was so because he's such a great um you know speaker and writer he was really able to describe what it was like to live with the condition and put it into real terms so a lot of people who you know have have dementia or are worried about it 
and, and I'm too scared to speak out. I think it really opened that door and it, it brought it much more into the, the public eye and allowed people to start discussing the symptoms and, and what this condition is, is like, you know, for the person living with it. Mm. Claire, thank you. Nice to talk to you. Claire Walton there, who's from the Alzheimer's Society. So, just before we come to an end here, um, once again, I'd like to thank Jason. Thank you, Jason, so much uh, for your brilliant efforts and all of those who have allowed me to use either Facebook posts or have taken the time uh, to write me an email for this. Um, so thank you so much. Um, there'll be no outro music. There'll be no um, you can get me at sort of thing this time. I'm just going to leave you with the one last clip. And this is, as we started, Neil Gaiman. Stay safe. I'll catch you next month. Bye for now. Best-selling author Sir Terry Pratchett has died at the age of 66. Sir Terry was best known for his Discworld novels, which started as an affectionate parody of fantasy novels and became a vast satire of modern life. The books won him legions of fans all over the world. In 2007, he was diagnosed with a rare form of Alzheimer's and spent the last few years of his life campaigning for more funding for research into the disease. He gave this interview about dementia to the BBC's Nick Hyam in 2013. Angered was the word, which is why very soon afterwards I told everybody on the planet that I'd got the disease, which is a kind of Alzheimer's, I, I think you'd call it. And with me, it's going rather slowly. And I don't know why that's happening either. What's it like in your head now, as, as you're talking to me now, what's going on in your mind? Well, the trouble with that is that I'm inside looking in, which is a bit of a... <laughs> which is a bit of a difficulty. You must see what I mean. It means I'm in there, so I can't really see. His friend, the author Neil Gaiman, has been speaking to the BBC. Terry loved his readers, and what was fun was slowly the literary world caught up with him. You had people like A.S. Byatt who would actually point to Terry and go, you know, he's an amazingly good writer, technically. And he's also saying huge and important things. And none of you are noticing because he has funny Josh Turby covers. And there's magic in the books. Terry was happiest writing. I'm the kind of writer who loves having written and quite likes being about to write. Terry, on the other hand, was in his element when he could control the world. And he would do that by imagining, do that by inventing. And for me, the best times I've had with Terry were times when my phone would ring and I'd answer it and he'd say, I've just written a good bit, listen to this. <laughs> and he'd read out what he'd read and uh, leave me devastated with laughter. Emily Whitten co-founder the first North American Discworld convention. Emily, what was your reaction to the news? Well, I... I, of course, like everyone else, I was devastated to hear it. Um, we knew that he had been 
he has had Alzheimer's for some time and had not been doing as well. And so I wasn't completely surprised, but it just, you know, it just, it broke me today to hear mm. that he was not with us anymore. Been some wonderful tributes to him. Uh, yes, um, everybody has been online just uh, sharing an outpouring of love and admiration for him as a person, his work, everything that he gave to this world. And he, I mean, he literally changed people's lives, including my own, by his work as well as his personality. Can you tell us when you first met Sir Terry? Yeah, I um, I went to a book signing in my neighborhood in 2005, and uh, I just in my little local place there was a little sign saying he would be there, and I said, "Oh my gosh," because he was he was my favorite living author, and uh, he was doing a Q and A and a signing, and I'd never been to a, a Q and A and signing with an author before, and um, I wanted to ask him a question, and and so I waited because I didn't know what to ask, and I didn't want to ask something silly. And he mentioned the uh, the UK Discworld conventions in, in his Q&A, and I, I raised my hand, and he called on me, and I said, I'm really jealous. Um, if we did a convention here, would you come? And he said, absolutely. So then when I got my book signed, he gave me his email address, and I so I met him at the signing and then began talking with him over email about the possibility of doing a convention in the United, in the United States for his Discworld series and for him. And he was really involved in that process, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he um, he always he always wanted the conventions to be put on for the fans and by the fans. So in the day to day of planning, he he didn't get very involved, but he would share little uh, bits of input or ideas and uh, encouraged us to look to the UK conventions to, that had been going on for um, ideas on how to plan, and certainly was extremely supportive. Um, when we announced registration for the 2009, the first convention in 2009, we announced it during the 2007 National Book Festival in D.C., and Terry was there. And for it, uh, we didn't have any official merchandise yet, so I had hand-painted a couple of shirts that, that said, you know, the North American Discworld Convention. And I was on the National Mall with Terry, and I said, Terry, I, I, I was wearing mine, and I said, I, I painted you this shirt. You don't have to wear it. Hmm. And he looked at me, and he said, I don't have to wear it. And I said, no, but I just thought you might like it. And he said, hold this. And he gave me his bag and his hat, his big black hat and his badge that said he was a guest at the, at the, at the mall, at the book festival. And he took off his shirt in the middle of the National Mall. And while he was changing into this T-shirt that I painted for him, he looked at me, and he said, you know, if a fan came up to me now asking for an autograph, they would run away screaming because he was there with his shirt off in the middle of the mall. Um, but he put the shirt on and he wore it for his talk and seven hours plus of signing for fans and, and dinner that night. And so he was very supportive of the conventions and he always wanted to be there for the fans Um myself and all the many, many other fans who, who came to see him during signings and during the conventions. And he was always very giving to the fans. So that's a, that's a little favorite moment of mine, of, of one of the things that he did in that, in that way. And if you could just quickly, Emily, if that's okay, sum up one Discworld book that people should read, what should it be? 
Yes. Uh, well, my uh, my two favorites that I really can't choose between are um, Night Watch and um, I sh- uh, I'm sorry, Wintersmith. And Night Watch is the the Vimes book in which uh, Commander Vimes goes back in time okay. to his youth, and it's an amazing uh, work of involving uh, human nature and the examination of, of things okay. that go right and wrong in life. Thank and then Winter Smith thank you is, so, uh, is also quite amazing. Thank you so much, Emily Whitten on Sir Terry Pratchett. That's it from me, Up All Night. We'll be back tomorrow from 1am. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 